Have you ever wanted an instruction manual for your life? Something that went over the stuff that isn't always obvious? Or even some of the stuff that is? My name is Sarah Ramsey. I'm a singer, voice, performance, and growth coach, and I've spent a lifetime open to the lessons behind our experiences and seeking out pathways to becoming more enlightened, better humans. And I'm Dr. Stefan Rabnett. I've been a doctor of traditional Chinese medicine for over 20 years, and I'm also a Jay Shetty certified life coach. I've long been fascinated with our human superpowers, the ones we don't quite have the instruction manual for, and I'm forever curious about how we can unlock them. Welcome to This Big Life Podcast, where we have deeper conversations about the nature of existence, our place in it, and how we can leverage these things to create the life we want. Basically, we're bringing the woo-woo to you, you. But don't worry, we don't take ourselves too seriously. Welcome again to the podcast, and today our episode is about creativity. And like all of our topics, this is a good one. (laughs) And today we're going to talk about what it is, what it isn't, things that get in the way of it, and things that potentially help it. And I think, well, I actually, I know we all have a relationship with creativity. So let's get into it. Sarah, let's get creative. What do you say? (laughs) Well, I think that like right off the bat, I think creativity, the word creativity is often used as a synonym for artistic or artistry or, you know, that vein of things. And and I mean, in, in one vein of the definition, that's true. But I think it's so much broader than that. And because I think we're all creative mm-hmm. and um, I don't think it matters if you're um a computer programmer or an, you know, auto mechanic, I think you can still bring creativity to the work that you do and or the life that you lead. And I think sometimes we talk about it in very um, constrictive language Yeah, that makes it feel like creativity is only available to musicians and painters, you know? <laughs> Totally. And that's well said. And I think that's ironic because that's one of those things that kind of stifle that creativity, yeah. right? Is that kind of preconceived charge of, of um, what it means and like, oh, then, you know, as they have it and kind of not me. And because I, you know, doing this, I wanted to, well, what is creativity? So, I, you know, I looked at just one definition of it. Yeah. And this kind of goes to what you were saying is, you know, the ability to produce or develop original work, theories, techniques, or thoughts. A creative individual typically displays originality, imagination, and expressiveness. And that's exactly kind of what you're saying in terms of you don't have to be drawing something to embody that. Right. You just have to, in a way, and where kind of I kind of find it synonymous with too is like a presence, right? There's a yeah. presence where there's an integration of all the different bits of our brain and being, and it's somehow greater than the sum of its parts. And that kind of seems to be what creativity is. And um, yeah, because it's interesting because I think we all have that bit of like, oh, I'm not creative. 
because again, we charge it with something other than that process of being present. We're making that outside of ourself, whereas really the definition is embodies being present inside of ourself. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. What do you think? I think that you're absolutely right. <laughs> and we're <laughs> done. You know what? Yeah, you know what? That's really we can sum that up. That's all. You're absolutely right, Stefan. I think uh, I think that's the way to. That's all we need, really. Have a great week, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do. I think that. Um, I, I think that we can come to anything with a bit of a think outside the box energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and isn't that what creativity is when you're just not keeping it in those preconceived notions. But like you say, you're having the presence to be there and invite in new energy, new uh, like originality, new whatever. And that doesn't matter if you're figuring out, you know, how to sell a car or how to you know, sing or whatever, like it, it, you totally. bring that, that energy to any of it. Um, and I think as society, we, we really do um, make that leap uh, unconsciously. I think we make that leap that is very limiting, that mm-hmm. it's, that it is not um, available to everyone. And if, if we open the door to that, like think outside the box energy that's really to me what creativity is um and that opens the door for progress in any field how do you think that we can integrate that more in those fields that are not traditionally quote unquote creative or what we think of as artistic fields well and that's a really good question i i think Creativity is like with um, kind of feng shui and whatnot is associated Mm -hmm. generally with children. Like when you have like a creative room, Mm -hmm. it's kind of associated with children. So we look at kind of different, you know, um, aspects that children have. And I think the biggest one is curiosity. Yeah. So the aspect of being curious in whatever you're doing in a way is being creative. Because when you're curious, you're kind of exploring, you're open to receive, like things are kind of coming in. There's less preconceived like definitions, conclusions, like that type of thing that are there. So when you're curious, you're kind of open. So that curiosity, I think, with what you're doing, again, whether or not you're, you know, fixing a table or um, drawing or, you know, getting dressed like any of those things that that kind of like curiosity childlike like oh this is cool what's next you know whatever type of energy that that embodies and whatever you're doing presently i think is is something that can kind of help us embody that kind of creative energy and that creative spirit granted a lot easier said than done because again we have that other part of our brain that comes in and puts significance on whatever we're doing like Mm -hmm. well that sounds all great you know one wonderful there but you know i have to or this has to or this is writing on it and and again as soon as we place that significance on it that's more of a contracted thing and um it takes away from that curiosity so it's again that little bit of a paradox well how do we deal with that 
example one, we don't judge that constriction when it comes. And then it's easier to kind of move past and look to where we want to go. And basically like, what would a kid do here? You know, like, and, and it is interesting with the kid. Like I look at, you know, my son Leo is for playing and like, he's just, you know, he's his whole world with his little toys and stuff like that. You know, even if he's using characters from a, a show or something, his world that he creates with that is totally unique. Yeah. And I think it's also interesting because we're like, well, you know, if an adult did that, like we'd call them crazy. Right? <laughs> <In a way. laughs> so I, I think that's also a piece of it is we have a bit of a societal suppression on the aspect of creativity because it is associated with something that's kind of hard to define. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and you are someone who is much better versed than I am in the art of meditation. So do you, like, I'm trying to think about, we tend to often get stuck in our ways. So we approach something the same way that we've learned to, because that's what we've learned works for us. And it, it gets really easy to sink into those ruts and then not look um, further afield. So from the perspective of like, how can we set ourselves up ahead of time so that in the moment we remember to be more open? And do you feel like there's a, a cross section there with medita meditation in oh. order to set up that groundwork? Totally. Like, I think that, you know, there's no one thing, right? Because again, yeah. we can conceptualize anything and it can be a little, a little bit constricting. But any process and practice that kind of helps us be expansive and almost, again, curious, even if it's of our own crazy mind, yeah. is going to kind of help open things up and make things a little bit more flowing kind of inside. So, yes, there's, you know, there's um, meditation is something even like going for a walk and like oxygenating ourselves, like all these types of things kind of help us. Like from a science perspective, I think, you know, again, they look at stuff of, you know, okay, well, what parts of the brain like light up when this happens or this happens? Yeah. So there's no one quote, you know, creative part of the brain, but there's an area of the brain, um, I think it's ACC, the anterior cingulate cortex, not gyrus, cortex. And um, it seems to light up when people have insight. Insight mm -hmm. being kind of like, not like a linear thinking of this leads to this leads to this, but suddenly this like kind of expression of just like, whoa, okay, like insight. And the things they find that kind of help light up that area is being in a good mood. So, mm -hmm. you know, again, easier said than done because we all have <laughs> moods that are less than good. But being in a good mood helps creativity. Like we know that basically. And also the converse is true, right? Like, so being in a not so awesome mood can kind of stifle, stifle that we're kind of more like constricted and looking at stuff. So anything that helps us be in a good mood is going to help us with creativity. So meditation, just because, you know, we're a little bit more present again, like going for a walk, exercise, like anything that's getting the endorphins kind of going, you know, again, surrounding yourself with that childlike curiosity, right. Is going to get you in a good mood. Um, anything that kind of creates that type of space is going to help us with respect to curiosity. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, kind of putting this back to you, because again, you know, you're, you have a talent that, you know, I know growing up would be, I would look at, oh, like she's creative, like she can sing, like, oh, you know, she's got this. So how would, 
what do you type of stuff do you do to get yourself in a space where you're just like, okay, like uh-huh. I'm going to express myself. So I'm going to speak in vast generalizations here because actually I'm just speaking about my own experience and applying it to all the artsy people. So right or wrong, I could be so off base for other people. For me, um, I think because it has always been such a present part of my life and it has like my whole family's musicians. So growing up in the house that I did, creativity was valued, mm-hmm. right? I know in some households with children, creativity can be stifled from parents. It can be looked down upon as a less valuable skill than um, something, you know, that learn your sciences or, you know, whatever, that right. kind of stuff. So in in our house, creativity was valued and it was visible, it was modeled, and it was so it was a part of the landscape. So I think that I have the great privilege of living in I don't know how to say these this. Um like my whole life, the way my whole life is constructed incorporates creativity. Uh much more freely than maybe some people's does mm-hmm. it i i recognize that when i'm at my best it's when i am being creative and allowing that creativity which by the way sometimes means allowing time where nothing is happening Interesting. like where you're all prepped for the creativity and the muse does not show up the muse. Ooh, that's another good one. Right? Okay. Totally. It's like you can turn the tap on. Nothing might come out though. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, like I, from a songwriting perspective, when I used to write a lot, I used to really think about sometimes you have to write the bad shit to clear it out of the way to get to the good stuff. So sometimes you have to write some really bad songs. And even when you're in the middle of writing it, you know, it's a bad song, but you still got to do it because that's what gets the, gets it all flowing. And it's like, you have to get that bad idea out of the way to get to the good idea. So there's some of that, but I also really am aware in my life that sometimes like this, this year has been a good uh, exercise in this for me, where I knew something was coming, something creative and juicy. I knew it was coming and I had absolutely no idea what it was. None. And I had, I entered into this year, 2022, being willing to be patient and ride that wave and let it show up. And so I did like a lot of um, writing prompts, journaling prompts that got like creative writing going um, because I sort my thoughts out really well on paper. You know, when I write, that's a really good form for me to work through ideas. And, but I had to be willing to do those things that I knew were not the end result in order to get to the end result. That's so cool. And I just feel that felt good. That was almost inspiring hearing you say that, like to be able to be aware of there's a something, you don't know what it is, right? And again, we all have that part of our brain that wants to label it and kind of control it and stuff. But, you know, to be able to surrender into that, 
that's amazing. That's really, really cool. Um, there's a couple of quotes that it made me think of because I looked up a couple of quotes here about um, uh, creativity. This is about art, but Pablo Picasso said, art is the elimination of the unnecessary. And that's kind of exactly kind of what you said, right? You kind of, it's not about what it is sometimes, it's about what it's not to take yeah. away. And I think that that's interesting because, you know, that's kind of synonymous of sometimes ourselves because we absorb so much, even of the self-doubt, the judgment and stuff like that. It's stuff we take on from other people, but we assume it's ours. Mm -hmm. And the more we can kind of carve that away a little bit, the more there's this undefinable kind of light spark that kind of starts to come out. And that's really cool. And then there's this other quote I just want to share um, from Bruce Lee, of all people, which mm -hmm. obviously when I read this, I was just like, I love I love that man. <laughs> um, the creative process is a process of surrender, not control. And it was like, bam, exactly, right? And you think about like, he was creative, obviously. I mean, not only did he do movies, but his ability to create with his energy and physicality is just, yeah, it's, it's, it's unparalleled. But that's exactly it. And in, and in, and we look at that, we all have that part of ourselves and our brain that wants to control, wants to conceptualize, wants to put something into a box because it's scary to do the opposite, to surrender, yeah. right? And so again, to really surrender into ourselves and trust ourselves is a challenge, but that is the gateway, I think, to like creativity. I'm so on board with that. It's funny, before you actually spoke the Bruce Lee quote, when I was talking about it, you used the word surrender and I wrote it down because I was like, yes, that's it. That's the key. I have never heard that quote before, but I love it. And I might just like print it out and put it up on the wall because I think that is absolutely intrinsic to really sitting in the creative process. It is a process of surrender. Mm -hmm. And no matter what your spiritual or metaphysical beliefs are, whether you feel like that um, creative information is coming from your core or whether you feel like you are channeling it from somewhere else, I think either way, it's an experience of surrender. Told. And I actually want to talk about that for a sec because I've had that experience multiple times in my life. and you know, I, uh, my, I, I think there's something else out there. I, it's not as defined as a church would have it in my viewpoint, but there's something bigger than us. I think that's where I land. And I have hundred percent had the experience multiple times of feeling it is tactile, a feeling like the top of my head popped off and like, I was downloading information from somewhere else and it was coming through me. I've had it in writing, like creative writing. I've had it in songwriting. I've had it in, uh, in performance. Sometimes I've had it. Sometimes it's that really tactile feeling, but either way, it's every single time. It is so clear to me that my job is to stay out of the way. Sweet. More of that, please. Universe. Yeah. And just let it flow through. Let it let it out. But my job is to stay out of the way. I'm just the vehicle for it to arrive, but it's not yeah. actually mine. Interesting. 
Well, yeah. And I think, again, that's that paradox because it is you and not you, right? And yeah. that's kind of that where that kind of joins like kind of up and through there. But And whether I think you what call that is, inspiration is, or like divine intervention, whatever terminology you want, totally. it's, it's the inspiration totally. at its essence that we're talking about. It's an undefinable something. And it's like, you know, in essence, like the where doesn't matter. Like, just as you said, whether or not it's like, um, you know, you or like something you've seen or like, cause sometimes the brain can be like, oh, maybe I'm not being creative because maybe I saw that somewhere or whatnot. It doesn't matter where other than surrendering into the process that and trusting that wherever it's coming from probably is undefinable, but surrendering into that is what allows it to come. And the more we kind of try to put a definition on it, it's like we're putting like, you know, it's like you have a tap and you're, you're covering it with a little bit yeah. of something and a little bit of something with every little definition that you're putting on it. And well, that's totally true. I mean, again, it's okay that that's easier said than done because we all have those bits that we want to kind of block the flow a little bit. But just reminding ourselves that we don't need to know where it's coming from, that it just is, and that really is surrender, right? Like yeah. that's surrendering into something, right? And letting it kind of happen. And um, yeah, I love that. That's a cool, that's cool. And I think um, it's like, sometimes people hear that, like, you know, something you said, mm -hmm. and they'll be like, well, I don't know, that hasn't totally happened to me. Maybe, you know, maybe I I'm not kind of creative. I think it's such an individual process and exactly. individual relationship. And that that is how it has arrived for me lots of the time. And there are times that it has not felt connected to anything at all. It's but the times when it flows the e the easiest are the time for me are the times that it has felt connected. But it is a super individual relationship. Totally. And again, that's where the where doesn't matter so much other than anything's possible, right? And we yeah. don't we just kind of being in allowance of something is like being in surrender of something. And then yeah, stuff can come out, right? And I think part of that is letting stuff come out without judgment, right? Because again, we all have that aspect of mm -hmm. judgment, especially I think when we were younger, that's where they're like, oh, well, you know, my cousin can draw, but I, oh, I can't draw that train or like whatever that is. And we kind of stifle it because we have an idea of what creativity is, as opposed to just letting everything kind of flow. Yeah. In fact, I think sometimes with creativity, sorry, a little tangent here, but that's how we roll is like, sometimes <laughs> it's like, sometimes it's things that are so obvious to us that we assume it's ordinary. Yep. So we dismiss an energy because we're like, oh, that's so, you know, it's so easy. Yep. Like, it's, just, it's just like, anyway, I can do that, right? And the reality is, is it's our, it's not. That's our unique take on that force, that energy that you kind of described, right? We're all that. I mean, another way to guess to look at that is we are all an individual lens or prism that that light kind of shines through. And so we're all individually putting something kind of out into the world, that expression as a combination of that energy of whatever and mm -hmm. that kind of lens prism that's refracting it in a very unique way. And that's our expression out into the world. So, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I want to talk about for the, if you're, if you're in a place in your life where you are feeling like your relationship with creativity is shut down whether that's stifled or severed or what have you 
let's talk about the ways that we can sort of reignite that connection. And I think um, there's a couple of key pieces I think are important. I think um, one of the ways that we can do it is engaging in intentional play. Yeah. Even as adults. So I love that. I love that. We, I, I don't know what order these are going to be broadcast, but <laughs> we are, we have a guest who we will be interviewing in a couple of weeks, Andrea Gibson, and she's from the Unconditional Movement. And um, it, her, her whole thing is built around self-compassion, particularly for um, women and moms. Because um, they're people who tend to not be very compassionate with themselves because it totally. gets used up elsewhere. And she recently did a challenge where she, and she filmed it and put it up on her Instagram every single day where she jumped on a pogo stick every day for 30 days. And I, I love that. loved it. <laughs> I knew there was no way in hell that I was going to be able to do it. Cause I'd just pee my pants every time, but she did it and she did it. I mean, sometimes she did it with costumes. So she tried to blow bubbles while she was jumping. She did it. She got her kids involved. She, like, but if that isn't a delightful example of engaging in intentional play, I don't know what is. As adults, who do you know that jumps on a pogo stick? No one. Even yeah. the word pogo stick in itself. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this perfectly kind of shifts you right and i guess these things it's like that play it's like kind of like a you know it's a slap yeah. right it's a slap upside or kind of cognitive worry brain that's like no 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 you know any type of play like that you're literally yep. like i love that though because that sounds so cool like you know dressing up in something random like wearing your clothes backwards for a day right yeah. whatever kind of breaks the monotony of it and keeps you present I, totally. I think that that's a great idea. I yeah. might have to go buy a pogo stick and try it. There you but, go. Um, I love it. You'll have to tag her if you do. <laughs> I, I want to see those videos. <laughs> just to, to be honest, I don't know if I've ever gone on a pogo stick. And like, I was just like, wow, that'd be kind of cool. So, but yeah, anything, ride a unicycle. Well, you'd have to learn how to do that, I guess. But yeah. it's, there's no, there's no wrong answer. Right. No. And I think again, it's like, what would a kid do? You know, and that's the kind of the creative energy is like, well, what would a kid do? Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. So intentional play is a good one. What else? What, uh, what the, other, the other good one, ideas? Um, I don't, so there's a, this book, I believe just celebrated its 30th anniversary this year or something like that. Like it's, it is not a brand new book and it is still, I think on the bestseller list, like it's crazy, but the author's name is Julia Cameron. And she's written a few books, but the one specifically, The Artist's Way. And it in no way is just for artists. Mm -hmm. I think what she's talking about is a relationship with creativity there and, and fostering a relationship with creativity. Um, she happens to couch it in, in terms of, you know, artistry, but it's applicable so far beyond that and that there are two key I mean there's a lot more in the book than just these things but there are two key pieces that I think factor in really well to what we're talking about today she talks about taking yourself on artist dates once I think she says do it once a week 
So that is, that can be anything from like go to an art gallery and like walk through an exhibit that you wouldn't normally look at. It can be something that sort of really specific and artsy, or it can be instead of going to your local coffee shop to get your coffee, drive to the other side of town and go to a different coffee shop Coffee shop, and what's the people watching like there and what do you see that's different in that setting than in your regular routine setting? How does it open your eyes to different experiences, different interactions? Love that different pieces of inspiration totally it's like an observation date right you're just kind of letting kind of other things in you're letting yourself receive outside of your usual parameters i love that and that's the point it's supposed to be something that's outside of what you would normally do and it doesn't have to be anything that costs money it doesn't have to be anything as specific as like going to an art gallery if that's your thing go for it but it can be just as simple as changing your surroundings and being observant. And what is the different information that you interact with in that way? And how can that fuel you? Because you change your filters, right? Because we all exactly. have those filters, right? That are part of that, okay, why are we worried or thinking about something versus why are we expansive and receiving about something based on all of our humanness and experiences. So doing something different like that totally makes sense because then we're expanding and changing our filters and we're being able to kind of receive more. Oh, I love that. Um, Was that, you mentioned there was two big things. Yeah, there's a a second um, exercise that she uh, talks about that I did for, in fact, I would like to get back to doing it, but I did it for, a long, long time. And when my kids were little, like the twins were having bottles in the morning. So they were like little in the crib. And I would wake up, I would give them their bottles. They could have them themselves in the crib. And I would sit for half an hour and do my morning pages. And it is three pages, like handwritten, not typed. So it's it's important that you're actually handwriting because there's a different connection in your brain that happens so you're handwriting three just regular sized line pages and it you're you're not filtering what comes out and the gist of it is you know what experience am i enjoying i would like more of that what experience am I not enjoying? I would like less of that. That's sort of the gist, but sometimes I've been way broader than that and just used it as like free, unfiltered journaling with there's no end, like there's no um, agenda to it. It's just my pen stays on the page and I keep writing and I don't stop. Even if I'm writing, um, uh, um, uh, I just go for three pages and when you do that regularly, like if you do that daily, it is astounding what you clear out of the way to allow in the, the fresh pieces of creativity. I love that. There's that theme again, get, you know, letting go of what isn't yeah. the creativity. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I remember doing that actually, you know, years ago, you know, that the morning pages and, and having to go through some of the frustration i remember one time writing like you know getting stuck and then writing i'm stuck and then writing i'm frustrated and then there was like tendency almost to like scribbles 
because yeah. I was like getting frustrated. And then writing the observation of, okay, like that frustration is like a bit of that layer that isn't conducive to my highest expression, right? Yeah. And so it is. And so it's okay that that's not always an easy kind of process, right? Like as yep. you say, sometimes you might be like, um, whatever, but you're really just turning on the tap yep. as a way to get rid of the stuff that's blocking the tap. You're like, let's turn that sucker on full and just kind of, it'll blow past the stuff. And that's a good, I, I forgot about that exercise to be honest. And I think that that's a great one. Like that is a really good one. Um, one other one that I just kind of just popped in that is, is the aspect of gratitude as a way of kind of looking at things from, you know, mm -hmm. we talk about kind of being in a good mood or kind of a positive aspect, sometimes things integrate and being kind of doing that, even that little bit of a gratitude journal or kind mm -hmm. of waking up, you know, if you have, if you're going through something or you're, you're writing something or whatever kind of quote unquote kind of creative thing you got going on, um, adding like these daily practices obviously is going to help. So again, like another one is like that gratitude thing. Okay. Three things that I'm grateful for. And it's okay that in and of itself, that gratitude practice, it might seem forced in a way you might, some things you'll really feel versus just cognitively right. It's all okay. It's the same type of thing. You're training your brain to kind of be in a space where it's not reactive, right? Like when we're, our brains are reactive, that's when the doors close. That's when we get kind of more narrow-minded and like, I can't and let me, you know, like that. Mm -hmm. that type of energy, which we all have our own version of, that is really the anti kind of creativity, basic aspect of it. So being in a space of gratitude is, um, is helpful, obviously, for anything. Yeah, because gratitude's the shit, right? Like, that's the like, fact. Gratitude <laughs> is the shit. <laughs> and it's so funny how we can use that word, the shit, to mean like really, really good or less or than really, that. really <laughs> bad. <laughs> English is a screwed up language. It is. You know, again, we've got to keep things interesting and uh, yeah. we have with our language, that's for sure. Um, anyways, so the, 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 the aspect of being grateful helps us be mindful, which helps us be less reactive, which helps us be expressive as a truest kind of form, you know, yeah. of ourself. And, um, and I think even the gratitude, I, I know, I, you know, I've talked to people that sometimes, you know, again, we, we like to compare to the other, like even the creativity aspect of like, oh, you know, you see somebody, you say, if you're, you're trying to be, you know, you know, you're learning how to draw, and then you see, somebody else is drawing and you're like, Oh my God, I'm not that like, Oh, and it almost kind of like, uh, you know, get like a constriction and it's again, easier said than done, but it's just like manifesting anything. If you're able to look at that and be like, that's so awesome for them and what they've shared, like more of that for them, please. The mm -hmm. easy it is for us to receive, right? It's the same thing. Like say, if we're trying to manifest money and like suddenly, you know, your neighbor gets that fancy new car or whatever that you've been thinking of. It's easy to be like, you know, but the more we're like, Oh, awesome. Like they created the more we're going to be able to be in that creative space. So yeah. 
Well, again, that's the target. We can't be perfect because we're going to have that little bit in there, right? And it's okay that we do. So we just don't judge it and then just kind of refocus to where we want to go. And that's basically being happy for everybody's kind of creativity, yeah. you know? And I think that's where like going to, you know, you go to like a, a gallery or anything or, you know, I've seen it even like going to, you know, my son's daycare and seeing like all these drawings that these kids yeah. are doing, right? You know, and you're just like, wow, like that's so cool. And again, I think if you can get into that space of, wow, that's so cool, you know, there's something that changes in your heart and everything. And it's, it's kind of buddies with curiosity and that's the space that allows things to happen. Yeah. I love the fact that you and I are thinking is so in sync because you were talking about this and you sort of said what I wrote down, but I think there is a piece of gratitude, excuse me, a piece of creativity that actually requires bravery oh because we come up against depending on what our own conditioning is what our own you know sort of hang-ups are what our own pieces shadow stuff that we're working with where that sits creativity requires bravery because it can really come up against that need to please or need to measure up to other people and the willingness to express your own version of whatever your creativity is, that's what can feel like it requires a lot of bravery if you are someone who gets really wound up in that people-pleasing or comparison business. Interesting. Totally. It's like it forces us to deal with our shit. So yeah. this is again shit in the uh, lesser form. <laughs> so maybe maybe we'll lesser we'll shit it, and greater shit. <laughs> there we go. Or maybe we'll call it shite. Shite usually is when we're thinking about it negatively. I think maybe I don't yeah. know. Anyways, it forces us through to confront our stuff, yeah. and that takes courage, right? Yep. Absolutely, it does for all of us because it forces us to go through our discomfort. And not only that, it forces us through those big bad wolves of kind of what those discomforts have been for us and whether or not it's like, again, that self-judgment, self-doubt, like, oh my gosh, I can't. The old self-limiting beliefs that we have to go through that requires an incredible amount of courage. Yeah. Yep. So whatever I think. So there you go. Watch a movie. Watch Braveheart. You know, there you yeah, go. You can you just go. anything, whatever <laughs> bravery means to you, or that movie Brave. That actually was a good one. I haven't watched that one. The kid that was a great one. one. I yeah, love that one. Yeah. So all these things have kind of, it's not, you know, bravery isn't in an absence of fear. It's the willingness to go through it, right? Yeah. And that's exactly it. It's not the absence of these obstacles or self-limiting beliefs. It's the willingness to go through it. And um, yeah. And again, the more we're talking here, you realize like how much creativity is, is a big part of why we're here, you know, not to put a create this work of art that's, you know, whatever, other than the work of art being us and kind of what we kind of contribute to the world, but as a way of expression and the act of expression and growth by nature has to move past obstacles, right? Yep. And that's kind of how we contribute. So yeah, this is cool. I, I think that in that vein, um, and this is where the language gets a bit circular because we use 
creative synonymously with artistic and it's not totally. just that yeah but I think when when our own personal brand of creativity becomes monetized um that gets into sometimes some pretty challenging waters because then you are opening your creativity up to the judgment of somebody else to tell you whether it's good enough or not totally. to, to buy. And I would actually like to add to that, that in the context of education, where creativity comes into play. So for instance, in arts education, I am a firm believer that it is not appropriate for an educator to tell someone that their creativity isn't good enough. Oh, totally. Because it's a judgment. Right. But so the, the, the experience that I had was in college. I had an instructor tell me I wasn't good enough. I would never be a solo singer, which is kind of funny because it's what I've made my career doing. Totally. But I'll tell you what, when I was 18 years old, that felt like I was shut down and I, that was super shitty and really took totally. a lot of work for me to get by. And here I am 35 years later, and I can still tell you word for word for what that comment was. So that, I mean, that was in response to artistry specifically, but I think it's a broader thing. And I think that sometimes we start to shut down our creativity and that can be the one of the first places it happens is when educators say you're not good enough to do this totally in one form uh, or yeah another. and it's it, it totally a state thing because you know it sounds well and good and it is true creativity means you have to do it for yourself not for yeah. others but obviously because we're dealing with all these kind of you know quote unquote big bad wolves and self-limiting beliefs we're going to be susceptible if someone we're looking at as the authority says no you're less than Right. right. And then it becomes like that, like talk about contraction, right? Like yeah. talk about, you know, like kind of going down, that is not expansive in any way. Yeah. And, you know, you know, now, and obviously, you know, just because you don't fit someone else's view, which is totally subject to their own self-limiting beliefs. Yes, it is. That it has nothing to do with us. Right. Yeah. And that's, um, and again, that's, that's a journey, but I agree. Right. And I agree when we take judgment out of um, any sort of creative process, it's so much more conducive to creativity and growth and fostering that creative energy and whoever kind of we're exploring this with. Yeah. You know, whether or not it be a student or a young kid or, you know, and um, yeah. Because I think the other thing, and this is just kind of popping in that I know with myself you know, and I see it with my son too, is some one aspect of expression that is so valuable, but so hard for some of us is patience, mm -hmm. right? The patience and the willingness to learn the patience and the understanding and the awareness that it's okay, that we're not exactly always where we're going to be. And that is, they're both perfect. And that things aren't instantaneously known or, you know, and, um, and, you know, it, it has been interesting because like I, I've gone through, you know, for me, I've always had this narrative, I can't draw, 
right? Because I've looked mm-hmm. at like, oh man, if th- that's the skill I want, right? Like, oh, I wish I could. Like, oh, I could see art and stuff like that. And um, uh, and the reality is, is you know, narrator's voice, you still can't draw, but I can at the same time. Because <laughs> <right? laughs> now like Leo is this like, hey, you know, draw me an elephant. So, you know, at first I'm like, okay, and then you're just like, whatever, I'm just going to kind of draw some stuff. And then you start to do it more and more. And then you start to see like in a bit of an evolution and it's not on the scale of better or worse. It's just on the scale of just doing it and expressing it. Yeah. And so Leo has been a gift for me, well, obviously in so many ways, but just that too. Right. And then it helps him because he's like, cause I'm like, sorry, buddy. Like. Like, because he's a kill ass his daycare workers or, you know, Kaylin or something like that. And they could draw this like, oh, yeah, like, that's clearly a hippo, you know, and I'm just like, he knows it's a hippo just because he asked for a hippo and it's a bunch of squiggly lines on it. But it helps him realize, okay, like it's our perception of something is just a much about it's just as much the creative process as what we're doing to put those little lines on the paper. Yeah. It's like a, a creativity is is a much more vast kind of relationship. It's not only the doing, it's also the interpreting. And so, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I, I don't remember actually what the full story of this is, but I feel like there's a tie in here, certainly to what you're describing with drawing. So you, if you haven't read this book, you need to go and get it and read it. And it's short. But have you read The Little Prince, oh. Antoine de Saint-Exupéry? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not he... in a while, but that's... So The Little Prince asks him to draw a... I can't remember what it is. Uh, a, a mouse or an elephant. I think it actually might be an elephant, but something. And he draws this, like, it looks like a blanket. And the story becomes that it's the elephant in the snake's or the mouse or whatever it is in the snake's stomach. So there's this like translation of where it goes because, because of the innocence of, you know, that comes with the childhood um, creativity. Totally. And imagination, right? Yeah. And again, the imagination, I think, I guess that's what we're kind of getting at here is the imagination is such a, so there's expression as a creativity and there's also the imagination, right? Like yeah. how we're just kind of interpreting and letting anything be possible. Right. And again, like looking at my son play and like, he's like using his imagination in a way that isn't preconceived and constructed. And I think, you know, over time we obviously lose that a little bit. Right. Yeah. And it's no judgment. That's just kind of how we roll with society, different things and more play methods get entrenched. Or this is what you're, this is how you're supposed to play. This is how you're supposed to do something. Um, but the imagination is, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it is it's important. And I think when though, this is something I have learned being in an, like a creative artistic pursuit my whole life. This is something I learned the hard way when it came to songwriting. (laughs) But I think I said it before, but I want to expand on it. When the muse calls, you answer. Because she doesn't necessarily call again. So what I mean by that is 
there have been moments in my life where I had a dream that had a snippet of a song in it, like an original song, or I woke up in the middle of the night with a, a melody or a lyric or a something. And I think it's three in the morning. I don't want to fucking roll over, like turn on the light and I'll remember it in the morning. Guess what? Never once have I remembered it in the morning. When I was doing a lot of songwriting, I got to a point where I would sleep with a pen and paper beside my bed so that even if it was in the dark, I could turn over and scribble it down and turn over back to sleep. Eventually we got to the point where there was a voice memo record on your phone and I could like speak it in. But that is a practice I have kept up, even though it, I, I don't do a lot of songwriting anymore in terms of creative ideas, imagination sparking. I now the, the notes app on my phone is just like so many notes there and they're little snippets of ideas of things that come to me and I can sort them out later but if I don't write them down they're they don't always stay like I, I don't always remember what they were so in the moment don't ignore them I think that's great and the good advice the sorting out can come later yeah. you know we might have that like okay we well, got to contextualize this and what's next or whatever like you don't need to know that because again this isn't like kind of um, this linear divergent kind of thinking. We're doing like more expansive kind of multiple kind of potential yeah. solutions for something. So you don't have to put it into context right away. No. That in itself will be the own creative process that makes sense of all the little yeah. bits that kind of potentially come. Yep. Um, but yeah, and I think I think that's true. It's like being willing to kind of put it down, whatever that is, like whether or not yeah. that's a voice memo on your phone, like writing it down, you know, even if it's, even if you never go back to it again. Right. Yep. But that's part of, again, that it's almost like, you know, just the same practice of the morning pages, you're used to kind of taking it um, and putting it out. Cause I think we all have that idea that, you know, there's stuff in mm -hmm. and it's sometimes hard to kind of get out. Right. Whether or not that that's an idea, a thought, a way of expressing yourself, how you feel about someone like it could be anything. So the more we get that practice of turning that tap on and letting ourselves those bits out, the more we're going to exercise that muscle. Right. The yeah. more we're going to allow that to kind of continue to happen. Anyway, it's yep. cool. Well, I'm going to be in a creative space later, I think, with all this. Absolutely. Chat. And, you oh. know, you referred to this earlier, but again, I just want to expand on it just a little bit. And it's that concept that we're not all experts at everything. And this is a concept that I heard m most succinctly um, from Rachel Hollis. I used to listen to her podcast and I read a bunch, you know, a couple of her books and stuff a few years ago. But she would talk about, because she's all about like stretching yourself and, and, um, you know, trying to be the best version of yourself, basically, right? Sometime to a bit of a manic point, but that that's the, the gist of her, her jam. But what I thought was so um, important about the way she phrased it is that you cannot expect to be an expert at anything when you first start. So you have to go into everything every new thing willing to be a beginner mm -hmm. and that applies to everything so like i think there's just such a parallel for that with the creative energy 
And when when we're totally. looking at something new, we have to let that unfold and not yet have it. You're not an expert yet. You are learning and you're trying things on and you're that comes over time. But you got to just let yourself be the beginner to start with. I love that. No, totally. And again, that's being like letting yourself be a kid, like letting yourself learn, like letting yourself be in the process, not the finished product. Because yeah. the expert really kind of, it's easy to kind of denote that finished product, right? And be like, oh my God, like look at way down there. Like I'm never mm. going to get there. Look where I am now. Like I can't do that. And then we stifle because of that because we don't let ourselves just be like, okay, it's okay that I'm just learning. One other thing I remember reading once that just kind of popped back is, like doing something with your alternate hand, like doing something like it's again, ah, a way yeah. to kind of be like lateral kind of thinking, doing things differently. Start writing with your left hand, like writing different things, which is one comical because you're like, wow. Right? I know. <laughs> you can't read this at all. <laughs> and it, but it's helpful because it takes again, the, the usual neural pathways and connections that we're used to and it shifts them a little bit. And again, that broadens the space and in and of itself makes things more expansive. Um, and I think, again, that plays to that other stuff about, you know, like doing things differently, being a kid, forceful play, like wearing your clothes backwards, jumping on a polo stick. You're like, right? You're kind of slapping yeah. things to, to wake up a little bit. And, I don't um, suggest, aim, like, if you're talking about like trying things with different hands, don't yeah. try chopping your vegetables with your other hand. No, no, this Nothing is very sharp true. objects. No, yes, be be my <laughs> choose choose carefully. Yes, thank yeah. you for saying that. Yeah, nothing <laughs> nothing important. Um, but anything you know, expressive, anything that yeah. breaks it up a little bit. And I think honestly, even like you know, any habit that you break a little bit, like you know, tying your shoes differently or, you know, anything that we're used to doing without thinking as a habit, switching it up a little yep. bit, because again, that changes the, oh yeah, what? present. Okay. Present. Okay. We're more receptive. Um, last thing I, I well, maybe the last thing, but I know we're kind of running out of time here is I wanted to mention something about time and time mm -hmm. of the day. Again, is it, cause you mentioned uh, mm -hmm. when you said that with respect to like dreams and stuff, I remember hearing, um, it was Wayne Dyer. So Wayne Dyer, I remember him saying that like, I did, you know, I, and I totally could be paraphrasing this and my own kind of version of this event and it. stuff like that. So all the, all the Dyer heads out there, uh, apologies if this has kind of got a little bit of skewness in it. But from what I recall him saying is that he found himself waking up basically at like 2, 4 a.m. all the time. And eventually he was just like, hey, maybe I should write. Right. Mm -hmm. And he started writing and that's where he started to do some of his best work in terms of writing. And I think it's, again, an interesting thing because we all have that version of it. Right. Because, mm -hmm. you know, because you said it when the muse calls may as well answer. Mm -hmm. And our conscious mind isn't the one that chooses when that muse comes. Yeah. So hypothetically, if you're kind of, you know, if this is something, if say a goal is, is to kind of, you know, work on your creativity. And then suddenly, you know, say a few weeks later, you find yourself waking up at three in the morning or three thirty in the morning or something. And at first you're like, oh, no, I can't because I got, you know, something going on tomorrow. And like, you know, that anxiety and stress is just, if you can, again, easier said than done, be like, OK, wait a minute. What's right about this that I'm not getting? Then <laughs> maybe that's a space for you to be creative. And interestingly, like from an acupuncture perspective, 
you know, the, the clock is divided into segments related to different organs. Three to 5 a.m. is lung time. Lung is synonymous with receptivity, right? You think about, oh, we're receiving mm -hmm. air, but right? basically we're receiving inspiration. So I know that there's some people that get up specifically between three and five to do creative endeavors, to do Tai Chi, mm -hmm. to do stuff where you're kind of absorbing and taking stuff in. So um, I just wanted to kind of throw that bit in there is just how creativity and expression isn't going to follow that logical predetermined path that our brain tries to think it is. That goes for the time of day as well. And to kind of really, and I guess that also goes to that aspect of surrender, right? Surrendering into whatever time, whatever time. And yeah. I know it can be, say, if you're in a big, important meeting and suddenly you get an inspiration, sure, that could be awkward or something. But at the same time, whatever it takes to just note it, right? Like you don't have to break it. You know, Excuse me, everybody. I, got, I just got to write something down here. Like you don't have to do that. <laughs> but you can make a mental note and acknowledge it. Because I think, again, the more we acknowledge the muse, the more we acknowledge that energy, the easier it is to see it everywhere. Right. Yeah. In terms of the time of day thing, mm -hmm. I think that you're you're absolutely right. And I think that, again, that's a thing that is, you have to figure out your own individual relationship with. I have gone through periods in my life where like midnight to 2 a.m. was the most creative time of my day because I was yeah. a night owl. I, I mean, I'd worked in bars my whole life. I was a night owl and it that's that was when it all came alive and I got fired up. And I've gone through periods in my life where I was going to bed earlier and I became a morning person and getting up at 4.30 in the morning was like the most creative, productive period of That's time awesome. that like 4.30 to 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning. So my point being, I think we all have to get to know ourselves. And it can shift at different points in your life. Absolutely. It's not a, it's not like a static thing. It's dynamic, yeah. you know, definitely. Yeah, I know that's really cool. And I think those midnight ones, now that I'm thinking about it, because um, the other night, you know, I, we have a newborn too, and, you know, it was like three. And so he was up and I put him in the little let her go baby. And I went out into their back deck and there was like, totally, it was beautiful. Like the stars were out, everything. But part of that beauty, it was, it felt like it was your own space. Mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes those middle of the night or early morning times, you know, cause we talk about like how those, you know, self-limiting beliefs, those big, bad wolves of self-doubt and stuff. So much comes from the outside, other people yep. type of stuff. When you're in the time where you feel like, Hey, this is just me. Everyone else is asleep. Like this is mm -hmm. kind of my world right now. Sometimes I think it's easier to express like that. So yeah, yeah that's cool. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, agreeer. Well, I think we have uh, once again solved the problems of the world. We did. <laughs> Creatively at that. Creatively. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. And um, hopefully you got some stuff out of this. And we'll put a few things in the notes to maybe help you nudge you in certain directions. And we'll see you next time. See you then. Thanks for joining our conversation today. You can head over to thisbiglifepodcast.com for all the show notes and information. If you loved what you heard here today, would you do us a favor and rate and review the show? 
it helps more people just like you discover these juicy conversations. And if you know someone you think would love this particular episode, you can even go ahead and share it with them right now. And if you have a topic you would love to hear us discuss, or someone you think would make a great guest for our show, you can submit your ideas using the link in the show notes. And you can always find us on Instagram at this big life podcast. Thanks again. We'll be right back here in your ears next Tuesday. See you then.